A thing that looks like a police box standing in a junkyard. It can move anywhere. Haven, concentrate on sin. Give priority to the detectors and the navigation systems. There is a corridor. And the corridor is time. It surrounds all things. On display, I eventually had to go down to the cellar. That's the display department. With a torch. The lights are probably gone. So had the stairs. You are just number six. I am not a number. I am a person. Welcome to British Invaders, episode 401. This is the podcast all about British science fiction television, and this time we are talking about Jerry Anderson's new Captain Scarlet. This is Brian from Canada. And this is Eamon from England. Hello. Yes, it is our almost annual trip to the worlds of Jerry Anderson. It's amazing. We've been doing this for about 15 years, and we're still finding Jerry Anderson's shows to talk about. Brian. This time we're looking at the 2005 reboot of his classic 1967 Super Mario Nation series, Captain Scarlet and the Mistrons. This was done with computer animation. It's a CGI show. Uh, There are 26 episodes in total. They're about 22 minutes long each one. And it was sort of split into two series, or certainly it's been split into two series for subsequent releases, I think, Brian. Yes, absolutely. And this was the final show that Jerry Anderson produced. And we have more adventures of Captain Scarlet and Spectrum in the War Against the Mysterons. So it is very much a remake of that show from 1967. And that was interesting to see him coming back to something earlier. Indeed, yes, lots to talk about. For sure. So the setup, Captain Scarlet is the lead agent in this international organization called Spectrum, and they are protecting the Earth against this alien menace, the Mysterons. Indeed, and an accidental conflict on Mars has led to a war between Earth and the Mysterons. You might be thinking, if you're familiar with the original 60s show, this sounds very similar, and it is. In that process, the initial conflict at the Mistrons, Captain Scarlet was taken over by the aliens and rendered indestructible through their retrometabolism process. But of course, he regains control of his body and becomes uh, a valuable spectrum agent. And with his fellow agents, we'll have to race against time in pretty much every episode to save Earth from the latest Mistron threat. Yes, absolutely. So getting into the characters, Paul Metcalf is codenamed Captain Scarlet, here voiced by Wayne Forrester, the title character involved in that initial sort of conflict on on Mars, which starts this strange war that Earth has with the Mysterons, who are from Mars, by the way. And Scarlet regains control and is rendered indestructible and a little bit Mr. On and a little bit human and he leads the fight against the aliens. He does indeed but he's got help. He has his sort of 
partner agent, Adam Svensson, who's codenamed as Captain Blue. We're mentioning their actual names because those are listed this time in the Wikipedia entry. And of course, they do refer to each other by their first names quite a bit in this show, I think, Brian. Yes, they do. And they did in the original run, but I think in this one, maybe even a little bit more. So Captain Blue is voiced by Robbie Stevens. He is playing the American Captain Blue, but he's a British voice actor. And he actually he turned up as a voice on Terrorhawks, which we have covered. And we were looking up his resume before we started. He's also done some big finish work as well. And Captain Blue, initially suspicious of Captain Scarlet returning from Mr. On Control. But as the series progresses, they'll become good friends and allies and work very well together. Yes, Blue sort of realises that Scarlet is the same Paul he's always been even after going through this change and becoming indestructible, as it were. Simone Girardou is codenamed Destiny Angel, voiced by Emma Tate, the lead pilot of Spectrum's Angel Fighter Pilots. And she had been in a relationship with Captain Black, but becomes romantically involved with Captain Scarlet as the series progresses. And in this version of Captain Scarlet, she has a much bigger role than she did in the 1960s version, where she was still a good character as being part of the angel fighter wing, but she does a lot more sort of other things in this version. Yes, they have increased the role or roles of some of the other sort of supporting characters from the original series, which is interesting. Of course, we've got to have a leader of Spectrum. We've got to have the head, Sir Charles Gray, who is codenamed Colonel White, voiced by Mike Haley, the head of Spectrum. And he is pretty much what you'd expect. He's a commanding figure of authority, sends the agents into action. He's also, he's not, uh, he's quite nifty in an action sequence himself in this version. We see him particularly in a fencing sequence with Captain Scarlet, where he's clearly sort of very fit and able himself. Yes, we do see him get into the action a few times in this series, which is fun. Captain Black used to be Conrad Lefkin, and he's voiced by Nigel Plaskett. He is the Spectrum agent who was Captain Scarlet's best friend and partner on the job, and he was the one who inadvertently started the war with Mars and the war with the Mysterons. And the Mysterons take him over successfully, and he becomes the lead agent of the Mysterons and sort of a key villain in the series. Yes, the suitably sort of uh, gravelly voiced and dark sort of Captain Black character. A great villain. Yes, he doesn't look quite as sort of decaying and corpse-like as the original one did. No, that's true. And then rounding out sort of like our main characters, Lieutenant Green, or Lieutenant Green in the series, Serena Lewis is the character's name. She's voiced by Jules de Jong. She is Spectrum's lead communications and IT expert. She's the main assistant to Colonel White. And you'll probably notice they've made her female in this version. Lieutenant Green was a male character in the puppet show. But this is a welcome change, I think, to sort of diversify the cast and give us some more female main characters. Yes, I think that's something that works well. And we'll get to that a little bit more as we go. 
So the Mysterons are an unseen alien consciousness. And what we see of them is their human agents that they take control of. We see this representation of two green circles of light passing over something when a person or a machine is destroyed and then recreated with this retro metabolism capability which makes a new version that is controlled by the mysterons and they take control of drones and other small mechanical devices occasionally vehicles and very often they take control of people, and this becomes the way they're, they're represented in the series. And it's a little less focused on the... In the original, we had the voice of the Mysterons that we heard directly quite often, and it's less about that in this version. Instead, they're using their agents who will do various sorts of acts to act against Earth's interests. So we'll see them planting bombs, we'll see them uh, releasing gases or viral infections or various things like that. We'll see them breaking into reactors and other bases, generally doing all the sort of sort of military espionage type stuff in the attacks on Earth. And meanwhile, of course, Spectrum has to re respond with Colonel White coordinating Earth defences from their flying base, which is called Skybase in this version. Cloud Base in the original, it's been renamed as Skybase, I noted, Brian. Yes, that's right. I did notice that. So let's do some production notes on Jerry Anderson's new Captain Scarlet. Now, we obviously have covered the 1967 show, Captain Scarlet and the Mysterons, Episodes 139 and 140, which you'll find on BritishInvaders.com all the way back in 2012, possibly one of the high points of the 1960s Super Mario Nation shows from Jerry Anderson, we thought at the time, Brian. Yes, it's definitely one of the favourites, and there are others. It's notable for going to the more realistically proportioned puppets, in previous Super Marionation shows, they had the puppets with the large heads, which some people like for the sort of caricature style that they can use. But then when you go to the realistic proportions, it gives you something really interesting and dynamic and more realistic, which is nice. And they had that with this great mix of action and a sort of darker story than they had done before with the Mysterons being involved. And as always, they had lots of fantastic futuristic vehicles and lots of special effects done with model work and lots of explosions, good stuff like that. Now, in the 1990s, Jerry Anderson was looking at using new technology to bring some of his older characters or some new characters to the screen and doing things differently than he had done with the Super Marionation shows or with his live action shows. In 1999, he teamed up with the Motion Picture Company to produce Captain Scarlet and the Return of the Mysterons 
Wars, which was a four-minute test film, computer animated with Maya 3D graphics, and, you know, a nice little short episode with Captain Scarlet and Captain Blue being voiced by the original 1960s voice actors who played them francis matthews and ed bishop yeah how wonderful to have those actors back doing the voices again even if it was only for four minutes and we know that this was shown at the fanderson convention in two, the year 2000 and obviously was extremely successful people were very impressed with what they saw and they also showed it to itv and of course the result was that itv would commission jerry anderson productions and another company trimedia entertainment to produce 26 episodes of the new captain scarlet and of course, in typical Anderson Entertainment fashion, they came up with a name for their new animation techniques. We'd had Super Marionation in the 60s. I think we had Super Macromation for Terrorhawks, Brian. That's right. And of course, they called this combination of 3D CGI with the motion capture technology, they dubbed it Hyper Marionation, which is what the, uh, the new series was filming. Yes, that was nice. Even though there there were no puppets or marionettes involved, but that was clever to put in that reference. The series was produced by Anderson and Mark Sherwood, with writing from Phil Ford, John Brown, and Brian Finch. Phil Ford, who wrote a lot of the episodes, would go on to be the main writer for The Sarah Jane Adventures, the Doctor Who spinoff. So it was nice to see some very good work from him on both of those series. The new series also gave Spectrum a better gender balance and more diversity in terms of race and ethnic background. So while you still had the team of female fighter pilots, the Angels, and they were still good, but you had Destiny Angel doing a little bit more, and you had a female captain as well. We didn't have that before. A female captain with an Irish accent and, you know, a few different accents and things. And we had, as mentioned earlier, a female Lieutenant Green. Yeah, it's nice to see more of a mix in Spectrum and literally to have, like, the Spectrum represented, which was good. Yes, and I think it was something that they were doing and you know certainly trying to do in the 1960s and they just moved that forward and built on it in the the 2000s with something that was a bit more fitting to that time the episodes were directed by david lane mark woolard and dominic lavery now of course there was music for the new show and crispin morrell had the tricky task of adapting barry gray's music for a new century now he'd had some experience he'd done the music for space precinct and lavender castle with jerry anderson and more recently, you might have heard his music on a Jerry Anderson, A Life Uncharted, which is a recently released documentary about Jerry Anderson and his works and all the people uh, and the, his various shows that he created. So he'd got, he's got some experience with working with Anderson. And of course, he had to do the tricky drum transitions between scenes which was a sort of characteristic of the old show we'll perhaps talk about that a bit more next time yes it was a new uh, similar idea but a new version of the drum transition which was nice and as 
he always had. Jerry Anderson would go to people that he had worked with and relied on in previous productions. So it makes sense that we had Crispin Merrill coming back to work on an Anderson project again. Indeed. But of course, they had to recast all the voice actors. The sort of speed of the production went it would be tricky for the surviving older actors. And actually, Ed Bishop sadly passed away in 2005. Francis Matthews has since passed away as well. So they had a new, completely new voice cast to deal with the speedy production, sort of experienced voice actors. And they produced these 26 episodes. As I say, they're about 22 minutes running time each. I'm not quite sure whether they produced them in two chunks, Righty V, or whether they just sort of went ahead with the full 26. Yes, I don't know. Often animation is not quite done in series or seasons in the same way that we usually think of. Jerry Anderson's New Captain Scarlet was broadcast on ITV as part of a Saturday morning show called The Ministry of Mayhem, starting on February 12th, 2005. And that was a children's TV package show that included live guests, pop music, games, cartoons. It was a show of that type. Those were popular at that point. Yes, I was asking my daughter what was the name for those sort of package shows and she just said oh that's just saturday morning tv yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and that's something i think in the in the u.s mtv was doing that a lot that was how things were being done sort of at that uh, at that time now the episodes were broken down into two 10-minute segments with a shortened title sequence and that was something that Jerry Anderson was not pleased with. He called it heartbreaking. Yes, a shame in a way for, you know, his last show that he was involved with. They broke it up and showed it in uh, little chunks without the uh, the title sequences, which is a bit weird. But it's sort of, you we can imagine it in those Saturday morning package shows, can't we? Yes, I think so. So, let's talk about the availability of Jerry Anderson's new Captain Scarlet. Region 2, nice and straightforward. It's on a region-free Blu-ray for £18, which includes all 26 episodes. There's some commentaries on some of the episodes from Jerry Anderson himself from David Lane, the uh, director, and from the actor, the voice actor, Wayne Forrester. You'll also find a panel from Andacon 2014, which discusses the production and the show itself, plus a whole bunch of images, CG renders, lots more extra features, which I don't really know about because I have been watching it on streaming. So here in the UK on Amazon video, fairly easy, £16 for the season of 13 episodes in SD, £21 in HD, or individual episodes available at £1.59 if you just want to get a sampler and see what you think. So that's how I've been watching it here, Brian. What about in Region 1? Well, I will add that the Blu-ray you were referring to does also include that Return of the Mysterons four-minute short from 2000. Ah, good. So that is in the package. I was hoping that would be in there and it is in there 
In Region 1, I don't think there is a Region 1 DVD or Blu-ray release. There are a lot of different imports floating around, but I don't think there is a Region 1 version. I couldn't find one. However, the UK Blu-ray is region-free, and it's available for about $24 on Amazon.com and about $26 on Amazon.ca. And I also see that Amazon streaming in the US, it is included with Amazon Prime memberships, or you can buy it for $2 an episode or $22 for a season. And that, it looks like, is not available that way in Canada, but it is in the U.S. So there are some some options here. I personally like the Blu-ray option that gives you the, the whole thing for a reasonable price and gives you some nice extras. That's how I looked at it. Oh, okay. At least it's nicely available and you can stream it as well on both sides of the Atlantic. But as you say, the Blu-ray might be the way to go for all those great extra features. Yeah, that's right. So next time, we will focus in on some of the stories in a bit more detail, and we will compare it to the 1967 series, the original one, and talk about some spin-offs and that sort of thing. Yeah, always nice when the shows we cover have spin-offs. We'll mention a few next time. And of course, we'll add up the pluses and minuses in our own columns about whether we're going to recommend this newer version of Captain Scarlet to you. Absolutely. So until then, you can find all of our episodes at BritishInvaders.com. Or if you search for British Invaders on Facebook, you can find our group there. Or you can find us on Twitter as at BritInvadersPod. So please join in on some discussions in either of those places. Yes, come find us on Facebook and Twitter. And also come and find us at the Voice of Geeks Network, which you will find at vognetwork.com. You'll find some other podcasts, you'll find some gaming-related content, Twitch streaming and so on, all at the Voice of Geeks, vognetwork.com. Yes, indeed. So thank you for listening, and this is Brian from Canada signing off. Yes, thank you very much. Until next time, Eamon in England also signing off. 